Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm your host, Jay, and joining me today is Robbie Helene. Hello everybody, thanks I, for listening. I like saying your name. Your name flows. You do? Robbie Helene. My name is like Jay Williams. I went to the doctor yesterday and they had misspelled my name as Hellion. <laughs> Hellion? Hellion. Well, you are. That is Would what you, we say about you. I know. Yeah, that, little Hellion. That, that would give me a very different reputation, I yeah. think. Oh, Robbie. Robbie no, the Hellion. Like, that is That's, a very specific... I've gotten Halloween in the past, Hellion? which also is H-E-L-L-I-O-N. That's nowhere near No. You. No. And I was like, <laughs> I said, wow, that's exceptionally incorrect. And she said, yeah, there's a note here in the file that says your phone was breaking up and she did the best she could. <laughs> and that's like, what well, she came up with. And you came up with a word that basically means I am a diabolical rascal. Little rascal. Speaking of diabolical rascals, we've got a church full of them today. So if we do, uh, yeah, VBS is going on right now. So if you Plenty hear, of rascals. yeah, if you hear tomfoolery or shenanigans in the background, like faintly, like does that sound like kids screaming? Uh-huh. Like yes, that's it probably because it's is. kids screaming. Yeah, and so there could be doors shutting in, and opening. in delight. In delight, yes, mostly yeah. joyful screaming. Yeah, joyful. <laughs> the sound of children screaming in the back Dude, background I, might be the wrong sending the wrong message. So you said you got heckled yesterday. So we each get to teach. <laughs> we each get to teach a day of yes. VBS, which is super fun. I just find myself screaming a lot again, yeah. you know, joyfully, but just trying to get their attention. And yeah. um, I threw way too many people in the boat. So I I made an error of judgment. Evidently, there were forty seven disciples. Oh, that's how okay. many I tried to shove into this boat. Um, That's fun. It was fun. But you got heckled. I did. I got heckled by like a fourth grader. It was and pretty great because I had I had props, and they they did not appreciate the quality of my props. And so one of them was a, a little potted plant that was a represent each each one was representing like Jesus' last day. And so there's like a loaf of bread that was his last supper, and then a plant that was a being in the garden, and then a little crown of thorns for his trial and so each of these is just a visual aid as i'm kind of walking through the story of the crucifixion the resurrection and uh and and as i would get to each prop this girl in the front row would critique my prop <laughs> so she'd be like is that a real plant like no it's a plastic plant why can't you use a real plant you should have used a real plant I'm like i'm It'd be like here overnight under a bucket. So I'm not sure the real plant would have looked as good. And then I move on to the crown of thorns. She's like, "Are those the kind of thorns that they used?" It's like, no. I mean, the ones that they that they used with Jesus were you know much longer and you know I mean much more much more painful. Why didn't you use those? Why'd you use those little tiny ones then? Because those are the ones that I had in my yard. Like <laughs> I did the best I could. I didn't have the oh, authentic gosh. Judean thorns handy to, to it's use. The need so like, to Swedish fish. So each step, yeah, dude, was, I can't imagine that. that oh yeah, the Swedish Swedish fish were. <laughs> then I then then like chaos ensued because then everyone like immediately starts screaming. Can we run up on stage and eat the candy right now? So, uh, moral of the story is my visual aids were very effective in communication. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it. it. Yes, it was great. Dude, it's so hard to deal with with hecklers. The kids are always the hecklers. Like even in a sermon every once in a while, you'll get a you'll get some if you're going to get heckled during a sermon, it's going to be normally by a child. Yep. And you can, it's not like I can respond with a zinger. <laughs> no. She's like 10 years old. Like I'm not going to be I'm not that dude. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it would have been kind of funny. So, um, I don't know if all of that's on video. But. Defending the quality of my my subpar visual aids. Like, <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to be such a tough crowd. Next time I'll buy like the high quality visual aids. Why didn't you get real? Why didn't you get real thorns or a real plant? Why don't you wear a real shirt? What's that? Yeah, you can't. Who, you can't who dressed do that. you today? <laughs> you can't. Can't you really that, go there. You think that color goes. I've seen you play basketball. Why don't you get a real jump shot? That's 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 where you go. I mean, I don't know. I go yeah. wherever I, I go wherever I go. You go. You got to defeat. Yeah, you just start swinging, man. No, I would not. Uh, yeah, I would totally be the guy that deals with the heckler. Like, yeah, so like if I was a comedian or something. <laughs> right back uh, at you, buddy. Right, right back at you. No, you are. Those are all my best ones as a kid. You're, you're way quicker than that. You'd think, but you know, under the under the the intense pressure of incessant heckling, it's it's tough to stay on your feet. Yeah, but we managed. We persevered. Good job. We made it through. You did it. I did it. We handled it. We it's handled it. Very different. It's a little intimidating teaching a room full of. Really it is weird how it is significantly kids. more intimidating to teach a room full of elementary school kids than it is adults. Right. It does make me think, though, what if adults started doing that? I probably shouldn't plant that seed because there's no. probably somebody listening to the podcast who's like, I'm going to do that. That's <laughs> a challenge is accepted. Is that the best you could do with that? <laughs> Why didn't you use a better illustration? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, we should uh, move on to the other things. I agree. Dude, you preached a sermon that feels like a long time ago. I was actually driving back from Colorado. Well, that's not true. I was writing back from Colorado at really the time. my son was driving and I was That's we were watching you know trying to keep up with the service online going through Nebraska oh yeah you were watching it live yeah watching it live man how's the connection engaged? going through rural Nebraska I mean 70 miles an hour it's not the not the greatest no not the worst though I-80 is pretty solid signal I mean it's a major thoroughfare as they say. That's good. I'm glad that you were not driving at the time while you were watching the online video. Well, I would, yeah. No, I wouldn't have been doing that. I would have been listening if I was driving. Silas was listening. But anyway, yeah, so I got to keep up with it that way, and uh, I thought you did a great job. Philippians. Well, thanks. Philippians is a, uh, it's pretty, it's been fun. So what was it like for you? Because I just did Galatians. Yes. So what was it like, what was the mindset when you go into it and you're saying, okay, because there's so many places that you'd love to dig in, but you don't have yes. time to do that. What was that like to try to just prepare one sermon to communicate Philippians? That's a that's a great question. I really appreciated it. I really appreciated having to approach the letter in a different way, and um, arguably, probably the way it was intended to be received. Like that, I was struck uh, at toward the end of of the time, thinking, "Oh, like." Not only was this a good and, and fruitful challenge for me to think like I'm not, you know, picking apart each sentence, each word. I'm just reading it as a whole and saying, if I just sat down and read this as a letter, what would be the things that stand out to me? What would be the impression that I get? What would be communicated to me? What would be encouraging? What would be correcting? Because it's different than when you just say, hey, let's just take these four verses in chapter two. Um, and then, but yeah, it struck me that, oh, this is actually how all of the original recipients of this would have received this like because they would have just read it as a letter because that's what you do with a letter you don't like read a sentence and then stop and spend 
40 minutes talking about that sentence. You just read the letter. And so I, I really appreciated how we've kind of forced ourselves to do this because, I mean, I don't know that in another context we would have ever done this. When would we have ever done a preaching series where we tackle the entire book in one sermon? But because the series we're in is Acts, and the, and the reason we're doing these books is to just really connect them to the, the narrative timeline of Acts, we, we put this restriction on ourselves, and I'm, I'm really grateful that we did. I thought it was a really fruitful process. Yeah, I definitely, I thought it was great, and it was great to hear you uh, just work through Philippians in that way. And, and to remember, yeah, not only were they hearing this all in one sitting, but they only had one copy. Right. So it's not even like these giving out handouts, like, here's your copy to take home. We're going to read it all through together, but you can go home and think about this and, and reread it over and over again. They couldn't. Right. And so they would just read it and they would hear it and they're trying to process it on the fly. And I think, I think that's really important to remember that that's why Paul knows that that's why letters can be repetitive. It's, it's why there's themes. It's why he kind of, you know, there, he kind of builds an arc and, and all these different things that he does because he knows, Hey, they're hearing this. It's, it's written to be read out loud. And I think, I do think sometimes we, we miss that because we end up like it makes me think sometimes Paul was, would be thinking like I never I never assumed you would pick apart when I just said I was I thank God every time I remember you right like you're, I didn't expect you to go for an hour on that right I was I was that just was the dear Philippians love you guys right so <laughs> here's so, the thing but when you do it that way there are some themes that really jump out. Like yeah. that, that even more so, um, there's some things that I, in listening to that, there were some things that I'm like, oh yeah, yep. That's classic Philippians. And there are a couple of other things I thought, oh man, why do I not, why do I not think of it in that context? Um, hmm. one like is, what? well, one is, um, one was remembering that he's writing it from prison to a people who knew him to be the one who was imprisoned and broken out. So they have this very real experience with him in prison on both ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. They know he is writing to the so they knew him as this is the dude that was in prison and then we got broken out miraculously. Right. Now he's in prison and is not getting broken out. So I that just stuck out um stuck out to me as this very interesting so here he is talking about contentment in all circumstances. Well, duh, of course he is because he's writing to a people where they're like, well, you broke out last time. Right. Why are you still in prison? Right. He's like, because I'm, because God wants me in prison Yep. right now. And I'm content in that because. Right. I'm, know. I'm content when an earthquake miraculously breaks me out and the, and the city leaders march parade me in front of everyone in corporate apology. And I can be content when I'm rotten away in the Roman prison and right. I don't know that I'm going to get out. Yeah, it makes you wonder, did the Philippians think, man, come on, Roman Christians, just pray. Pray that he gets broken out. Like, why is he still in prison? Like, when he was in our prison, he got broken out right away. I mean, who knows? Who knows what people were thinking? But but that was a a fascinating thing. I think also Paul's affection for for these people really comes out. And I think that that was... So that clearly was a, a theme in in sermon that was something you wanted to draw out but was that something you've always when you think of philippians do you think of um 
just his overwhelming affection and love or is that something when you were preparing it this time just reading it all the way through you're like man every every inch of this book is just saturated and just this like affectionate tone and his love for his people i would i would probably say i've i have always picked up on his affection in segments like compartmentalized right right? so you go oh man chapter one he's really you know feeling compassion and love for them and then chapter two he's really theological here and so he's getting into very uh you know intellectual theological ideas and then you know later on he mentions you know how he cares about them again and and in dissecting that and segmenting those pieces Mm -hmm. You still see that in there. I mean, you can't see the, like, I yearn for you with all of the affection of Christ, my beloved. Like, when you hit that verse, you're going to go, oh, man, this guy really loves these people. But when you zoom out and read it all together, you see that love in those deeply theological places as well. And and what, what I noticed is reading those with, like, a totally different tone of voice, a totally different, mm-hmm. like like, attitude, position of, like, this is not where I suddenly get academic. This is where like my outpouring of my love for you is communicating this truth of who Christ is and, and, and how we follow him. And that stood out to me as something that I don't know that I've ever noticed before. Yeah. I think I agree with that. That that's interesting that you say that because that stuck out to me. It just struck me in, in zooming out in this way and it's such a great reminder that you you can't separate anything from love. Like no. you, you can't separate anything from this. He is when Paul is writing this deeply theological, these deeply theological statements, and some of the things that we love to quote that like every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, like this is that's in the context of him pleading with people to like, hey, be humble as Christ is humble. Like yeah. look at his affection for Jesus and his affection for the people that he's writing to are the reason for the theology. Like every, every theological statement he makes is so drenched in his affections for Christ and his affections for the, his, his audience. And it's just such a contrast to like what we have today. Like we just, mm. we, you know, when we say things like, well, you have to have love and truth and you have to have like, well, doctrinal truth is really important. Like, yes. And we think of love as, like when we think of loving people, we think of, you know, feeding the homeless or, you know, caring for the poor or the orphan or the widow, which that's all true. We need to do that. But we separate it from like doctrinal truth and and rightness. And it's like you can't separate that. Like that's also a way that's also love. Like you speak the truth to someone because you love them. If you Correct. don't if you don't love them, then what you're sharing might be a fact. It might be a true fact, but it's not truth in the, in the holistic way that God talks about truth, right? Yes. Like devoid of love, it ceases to be God's truth, right? I mean, Paul is, Paul is not an outlier here. What he's saying is absolutely in line with John's letters where, where he is quite clear and if you're not loving the people around you you don't love god the clearest indication that you don't actually love god is your lack of love for the people around you but you're absolutely right when we when we reduce love to like you know speak truth and if possible apply love right right like if i could borrow from the (laughs) the quote misattributed to saint francis francis um the 
Like love becomes the like well, the most important thing is truth. And if it's possible to speak that truth in a loving way, that's obviously good. But if you have to give up one of them, the love is the thing that you give up. And and Paul and John and Jesus uh, and Peter would all argue, basically all the New Testament authors would argue, then it actually ceases to be love. Right. Because if that's not the foundational motivation, like Paul, and what I loved about this is I never noticed Paul saying, like, I pray that your love would abound more and more uh, so that, right, in order that you would then know how to walk in this way. Like, love is the thing that produces the the Christian character and, and rightness of your Christian lifestyle, not the other way around. That that really struck me. Yeah, I, and I think it, it is important to to say the other ditch is also not right. Like, right. You know, we can't love, you don't love people by lying to them. Right. You know, right. We, we have plenty of things in scripture that tell us like that, that to beware of teachers who will, you know, say, say what itching ears want to hear. Like they'll, they'll follow them. They'll go after them. Like there will be people who will lie in the name of love. But the point is simply Which that then it ceases to be right, love. Then it ceases to be love, right. right? Like so, those two things together to be to you know, like we talk about God worshiping God in spirit and in truth. We talk about um, when Paul says that like you're a noisy gong, like even prophecy or any of these right. things without love, it's it's worthless. Um, like we we tend to want to separate things. That are not separate, like that we should not be separating, which happens, I think, ironically, you know, interestingly, I guess, that just what you said about reading through all of Philippians, you know, and reading through it in one sitting or teaching through it, like as a whole book, what that guards us against is segmenting scripture into these separate, yes. like standalone things. And, and so, in that same way, we do that when it comes to love and truth. And we think that we can extract one from the other. But the reason you can't is because God is all those things. Correct. And you can't extract a part of God. God is God. God is not just described by these things. Like, we don't right. look at it and say, like, well, God God is loving because love is this definable exterior thing that God happens to match with. You know, like like we say that about one another, like, oh, I know what kindness is, and Robbie right. is kind. So I'm describing oh, Robbie thanks. with this thing that is like, well, I was a hypothetical. Oh, okay. I, was, I was making it up. Um, and uh, but we don't do that with God because God is the He is that thing, right? Right. So, um, so you can't just say like, well, here are the twelve characteristics of God, and and there, there's a hierarchy to them in the sense of like they're they're all it's one God is God, and so when we when when we are called like uh, you know fruit of the spirit for example is one it's fruit but it's it's all of these things you can't be you can't be gentle without being self controlled like you can't be loving without being peaceful like you yeah. can't be like yes. all of these different things that they go together. So you don't just like work on them like, well, I'm going to try to be patient for a while. You know, like I'm going to I'm going to try um, to be kind for a while, but I'm not going to worry about being loving right now. I'm right. not going to be worried about being peaceful. You know, right. I'm just going to be kind. Well, it's nonsense. Like it's going to be unkindly patient. With right. People. Right. <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> I'm in no hurry. Right. Jerk. That's... That is, that is weird. Like then that becomes impatient. Right. It does. So so as, as soon as we ask the question. 
but which one is more important? If you have to sacrifice one of them, which one is the is the one that would be better to sacrifice? Well, the problem is if you sacrifice one of them, you lose them both. Right. That's what we need to be thinking. Not, well, if I have to choose one, well, if you're only choosing one, then you didn't get the one you chose either. Like that's because they are they are inseparably linked together. Right. Yeah, I just thought I thought that was really it came out. So like so Paul's love, um, Paul's love for his people and his affections for Christ just really come out when you when you zoom out. What also zooms out is the centrality of Christ. Yeah. Yes. So like he is everything. And I thought you did you know you did a good job. Like you said, Christ is um, Christ is our. I can't read my writing. I had notes. Well, I was I, I was writing in the car. I was writing uh, and writing. I was writing while I was writing. Writing, writing while writing. Yeah, but our is that life? Yes. Oh yeah, life, example, object of worship, and provider. Yeah. And the centrality of Christ really, really comes out um, in this letter. What do you think? What do you think we miss in that? What do we think we miss in the letter? In the centrality? No, in the, cri- of Christ, the centrality and... of Christ. Like I. I just, I guess what I'm thinking is much like we try to separate love and truth. I just, I just feel like we're in such a mode right now in the church of really trying to have the kingdom without the king and all of the, all of the things like the, the virtues of Christ without Christ. Like we're just missing, missing this point of that. It's Christ. And so we're, we're trying to like lift up the name of Jesus over and over again. So people know like, well, it's, it's Christ. Like if you don't get anything yes. else, um, then it's Christ. And clearly that's Paul's aim here in this, in this letter also. Yes. Who, who is an actual real autonomous being, right? He's not a principle. He's not a concept. He's not a doctor. Jesus. Jesus. Right. Yeah. Right. Christ. Right. Like he's, he's real and he's alive and he exists. Uh, and he, he's not a concept or a principle. Um, man, what do we miss in the centrality of Christ? We miss Christ, like because then we end up putting our hope in other things. Our arguments are based on other things, and so when we talk about like, well, how should I respond to this conflict with this person? If I'm if I'm not doing that with with my focus on Christ, that He is the means by which I accomplish that. He is the example that I follow in doing that. He is my affirmation and encouragement, regardless of how that goes. If that's not the case then my hope is in something else. My hope is in my own reason, my own justification, my own, you know, whatever conversation tips I learned from that book or podcast or whatever. Like all my, my hope is in everything but Christ. And that's a problem. That's a problem. So, so what we, what functionally what we miss is Jesus. Why do you think we do that? Because it's so common. When you say like Christ is our life, I, I struggle with even like, man, what does that even mean? Hmm. And, and how quickly I will substitute other things for that. Like ministry might be my life. Yes. Um, you know, my family could be my life. Like there's so many things. Um, and when I think about like my example, it's clear, like in our, in our neck of the woods, um, we tend to think like, okay, well, the Bible is my example, um, you know, and, and we kind of miss the person of Jesus, that mm-hmm. Jesus is actually living and, yeah. and is walking with you. Um, you know, right. the object of worship 
is like that's the one where I think we 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 understand that uh, on Sunday mornings, and so you know we we definitely we sing a lot of songs that way. We 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 want to worship Jesus. He is, but we all know that there's other objects of worship that come in mm-hmm. to our life. And I think even good ones, like you know, what things that would be good on their own that are meant to be enjoyed, but they but they become, you know, perverted when we we turn them in um, to an object of worship. And then and then provider, I just I feel like we we tend to think we provide for ourselves. Like if I if I do the right mm-hmm. things, if I live in the right way, I'm what I'm really saying is I'm actually my provider rather than. Um, looking at Christ as the provider of all of my circumstances, even, you know, to say, right. to, to not say like, well, why did this not work out? Like I did all the right things and this didn't work out to say, okay, no, whatever I've received, like Christ, Christ is the provider. <laughs> um, and so I guess I just look at it and I just think, man, it's so easy for us to kind of shift off that, to say with words, well, yeah, no, no, no. I know Christ is my life. Does my life actually look like Christ is my life? Right. And what does that even look like yeah. that Christ is my life? Gosh, that's such a great question. The uh, So you reminded me of John uh, when he records Jesus warning the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So his warning to them is like, you, you're missing me in all of this. Like you're even, you're even looking in the right place, right? He's not saying scripture is bad. He affirms scripture. Like scripture is amazing, like an amazing gift. Uh, and he, but he's saying like, you're, you think that those pages are where you're going to find life, but mm. I am the one in whom you find life. Those pages are supposed to be pointing you to me, the actual source of life. So if even something that is an ordained gift from God can become an accidental distraction from Jesus himself, certainly all the nonsense that we are surrounded with are distractions from Jesus. So yeah, when I, when I go, man, I, when I think I, I really need, I had a really rough day. I just need to kind of turn my brain off for a second. I think I'm going to go watch a show because I don't really have to engage. I don't have to think, right. and that will just kind of calm, calm my heart, which of course it never does, right? <laughs> that doesn't accomplish anything positive. And half the time I end up more distressed because either something that happened in that show caused anxiety or uh or at the at absolute best it did nothing to calm and quiet my heart and my soul like why like jesus says yeah come to me and i will give you rest so why i mean why do i do that because it's quick it's easy it costs me nothing it requires zero effort whatsoever i mean william law in like the 1600s wrote wrote this book that i don't necessarily recommend (laughs) recommend (laughs) <laughs> um, there's some really, there's, there's some really good stuff in there, but, um, one, one of his opener, uh, it's called a serious call to a devout and holy life. It's a really light read. Sounds um, like it. Yeah. Uh, and he deals with Netflix. His opener, it? his opener is if you wonder why you are not so pious and holy as those who came before you, it's because you have no intention to be. Ooh, which is, zing. which is a bit of a zinger, right? It's like, I, because in that moment, I don't want Jesus. I just want TV. I don't want Jesus. I want I my circumstances yeah, I to change. I don't, I don't want, and this is what we talk about faith of like, we say we believe that Christ is our rest and that Christ is our, um, he's our peace. 
we say that. And if I said like, well, do you believe that? We'd say like, well, of course I believe that. Of course that. I do. How, right. Why would you question whether I believe that? And then all of us could point to, yeah, but I don't live it. Right. Yeah. But the problem is when every detail of my life does right. reflects the opposite of that, that yeah. reveals I don't actually believe it. Regardless of what I say, every choice that I make reveals that I don't believe that because if I do believe that he is where I find rest, I would go to him and not these other things. If I do believe that he is that he is good and he is sovereign over these situations, then I would trust him and not be riddled with anxiety. Like, so the, my, the choices that I'm making reveal a lack of belief. Right. So, but here's where I think I, I get tripped up and I think a lot of people do. So we say, okay, right. I'm, I stressed out after a long day of work and I'm really feeling like a lot of anxiety and stress. And I know that Jesus is my rest and I know that he is my peace. And I want, I want to partake in that. I want, I want, but I don't know how. Um, it's all right. Robbie's making faces because our my my son and his friend are out there. Like they're doing, they're leading games for VBS. They're leading games, <clears throat> and so they have to like get water. My production mind was was that's water. hearing background beep, noise. Beep, beep. If they hear the squeak squeak, that's the faucet. <laughs> we just have it. Your office is right by the faucet. All right. Anyway, back to the... Thank back. you for drawing exceptionally <clears throat> more attention to that detail. Uh, well, everyone was wondering. They saw your facial expression and they were wondering. <laughs> back Now back to the show. Um, <clears throat> but the idea being, if you... So, so if you say, okay, I know that Jesus is my peace. He's my rest. So I'm going to go to him. And so what do I do? I like force myself to read the Bible and... I feel dead inside while I'm reading it and it's a slog and I'm just mm. like mad at myself. Mm. And now I'm, now I'm more upset with myself because I don't understand what I'm reading and I don't want to. And that feels weird and gross that I'm like reading the Bible and I don't want to read the Bible. And I'm like thinking like, how quickly can I get through this? So like, okay, well I read the Bible for a few minutes and now I'm going to go do the other thing that I really want to find rest. Like I'm not actually finding rest in that, which then mm. only confirms in my heart that, that either it's not actually true or it's that's just not something I can experience. And one thing that I, this is why I think it's so critical, like what you pointed out about what the Pharisees said, what Jesus said to the Pharisees, that all of these things have to be, like anything we do, like go to church or read the Bible, is to commune with Jesus. Yes. So communing with Jesus is the goal. That's the aim. How many times when people say they feel dry in their faith, if I ask them, like, well, what do you think you, what steps should you take in there? Like, what are you looking for? Like, well, I need to get back to church. I need to, I know I need to go to church because when I go to church, I feel better. And yeah. I want to say, like, going to church does not make you feel better. Communing with Jesus through the fellowship of the believers absolutely yes. is a wonderful experience, which is why you're not supposed to forsake that, which is why when people say, um, like, well, I just need a break from church. I'm like, well, then you're doing it wrong. Like right. I felt that That's even exactly as a pastor, right. like it's, it's broken then because you're, there's something really, there's a powerful way that we commune with Jesus through the fellowship and the worship of the corporate body gathering together physically. Correct. Also, there is a special way that we are able to commune with Jesus through reading God's word, his revel, his self revelation to us. There's a way that we commune with Jesus when we pray and listen through the spirit. And so one thing that I would encourage people to do is we get it like 
I know that escapism is not good. Like most of us, when we're following Jesus, we say, okay, I, I'm feeling stressed. I know YouTube is not the answer. But I just have found in my own life that it's hard to know, well, then what is the answer? Mm. Like, okay, so I turn to this other thing and it always turns to like this, like guilt inducing works-based mm. thing. And one of the things that I have found for myself to kind of even detox out of that is to just sit in silence, to just sit yeah. and listen and to remind myself who God is and what he says about me and just to sit there like practicing the presence really. And then from that point, go to the word or from that yes. point, yes. Um, this actually happened. I mean, a few weeks ago when I wasn't preaching and I was here, I wasn't preaching. I got up on a Sunday morning and normally I get up really early on Sunday morning to just kind of prepare my heart and, and pray. And even when I'm not preaching, I usually do that. Well, this Sunday morning I didn't, I woke up like a, probably like a normal person. I just got up and like, it was like, I'm getting ready and then I'm going to go to church. And I felt so unprepared. I had to sit mm. on the edge of my bed and I thought like, and my first man is the, it's the voice of the enemy. Like the first voice that comes into my head when I'm sitting there, like when I was feeling like I didn't want to go to church, like I sat there and I was like, mm. I don't, I'm not motivated to go. Um, and and the first thing that came into my mind was you're, you're such a hypocrite, you know, like mm. it's because you didn't get up. If you'd have gotten up early in the early this morning and mm. been in the word and praying, like then you'd be ready, but now you're not ready, you know, but you didn't do what you needed to do to prepare yourself. Well, there's some, there's like an element of truth in that, mm -hmm. like preparation for worship is important and I didn't do it. Yeah. But that's not the voice of the spirit because right. that's not God's demeanor towards me in that moment. You don't deserve church. Right, you don't deserve church. Like you, you didn't get it'll it. It'll serve you right to go and not <laughs> feel anything today because, <laughs> and not so how our father operates. No, but thank God that I sat there on the edge of my bed. And my response to that was like, I'm just going to sit in the presence of Jesus. I'm just going to yeah. sit for a minute and listen for the Holy spirit and see if I can hear his voice through this. And his voice through that was encouraging and restful and peaceful and, and I went, I got up and, right. you know, I was ready to go to church and to worship with church family and commune with Jesus through that. So I just think, I don't, I don't know, that's a long, does that make sense? Like the, that how, even when we know, oh no, I know I need to do, I need to do the godly thing. Even our view of what the godly thing is, is kind of broken Yeah, and we systematize it and we turn it into our own workspace stuff rather than realizing like, no, it's not like, okay, I I will go and read two chapters of the Bible and then God will make me feel less anxious. It's right. no, I'm going to commune with Jesus through his word and Jesus like abiding in Christ. Like if you're just abiding in Christ, all you will feel less anxious. Right. No, absolutely. And I think, I think some of that is, is misunderstanding like wh what piece each of those elements play. Right. So my going to scripture, like sometimes going to scripture absolutely is like, that is the comfort. To me, but for me, typically, the way my mind works, the vocation that I happen to exist in, going to scripture is is typically where my mind gets active, and I start mm -hmm. thinking and engaging, not where I go to find rest. So, because I immediately start thinking like, oh man, how does this connect to this, and that makes me think of this, and then that, how can I preach this, and whatever, like I immediately start getting engaged. Mm -hmm. 
And so scripture, like opening up the Bible and studying scripture is not my go-to for, man, I just, I need some rest right now. However, if I have not been going to scripture in all of the previous days, then I don't have something to cling to. So like those, like scripture and prayer, those daily habits are, are, are like the athlete or the soldier doing drills, right? Like I'm, I'm training, I'm preparing, I'm getting ready. Like when, when the enemy army comes rolling over the hill or, you know, game time, that's not when I go, all right, time to do some drills. Like, no, that's when hopefully all that time that I have spent drilling means I can just respond in the way that I'm supposed to in that context. So hopefully my time of regular t time in the word and wrestling with it and studying it and memorizing it means when I'm in that moment or I am just at the end of myself, like I just need rest, that time in the word is there ready for me. So I don't have to go and like sit down and open up my Bible. I can go out into the woods and walk and just talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, you promised me in your word and you reminded me earlier this week that when I am when I have labored and I am heavy laden, I can come to you and you give me rest. Like you promised me that. Will you give me rest? Like and I can do that because the other days when I when I did have strength and I was engaged, I spent that time in those habits in in the word. So Augustine said, uh, I grant that I might know myself so that I could know you. So we need to know ourselves to know like, man, if, if going to the word is something that is restful for you, then that's what you should do and look for Jesus in that. If you're like me and that's not the thing that gives me rest, that's the thing that prepares me when I, when I need rest, then you need to go for a bike ride and quote some scripture to yourself or go for a walk in the woods and pray or go sit down with a friend and pray with them and, and talk about what, what's going on. You're like, know yourself well enough that you know what are the ways that when I interact with Jesus in this way, like yeah. some people will say like, man, if I just go for a drive and just blast some worship music, like it's just amazing. Like I just, I connect with God and that's great. That also doesn't typically work for me because I'm going, oh, what key are they singing this in? Would this work corporately? Would this, whatever, like right. <laughs> I'm immediately like calculating or whatever. But it does work for me. That's like awesome. I yeah. do. I I'm here and I grab your guitar sometimes. If there's nobody else here, do it. That'll that because I'm not worried about a worship set for the next weekend. Now right. that's not to say that, like you said, we. It's not to say that. I think where sometimes people take that is like, well, I'm just not a I'm not a reader, and so right, like right. my way of spending time with God is to be out in the woods, and so not right. <clears throat> not reading God's word and not praying. You know, like I pray, I talk to him out there and. I'm not really much for crowds, so I don't go to church, and that's not what we're talking about. No, and all of all of that means that you you are going to be completely you're going to be anemic. You're going to be completely ill-equipped right. to do what whatever it is that right. that God connects with you with, because you didn't spend any time in the Word and you weren't with His people at all, and so you have nothing like you have no ear right. for Him. And like it's the gateway into like that. That's what I think is key. So you yeah. mentioned that, and 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 I actually was just talking with a friend yesterday about. Um, it's a friend that has, was in pastoral ministry for years and years and years, and now he's just left that. And I said, man, when I have some time, I'd love to hear what is your Bible reading like hmm. now that you're no longer preaching on a weekly basis? Because what you just described is true. Like if I'm reading scripture, I'm immediately thinking, 
how would I teach this? How would I apply this? How would people need to help in understanding this? Um, it's just to turn that off is very difficult. However, the way that I have done it is I just know I need to spend time sitting with Jesus before I go to the word. Yeah. If I just go to the word for me, this is for me. If I just go straight to the Bible without any of that, I'm going into teaching mode. But if I sit and kind of reorient myself, then I can go into the Psalms or I can go into the gospels and I can just, I can receive from that. And, and that's part of it. So the bike ride that you're just like, man, I need some people just like, I, I need to have some physical activity, get out in nature and just, it's whatever, like I would say that whatever those things are, what we're really talking about is what is, where's the place where you get into that mindset of I'm abiding in Christ. I'm practicing his presence. And if that for you is a bike ride, then go for a bike ride on Sunday morning as the gateway into then going into worship Mm. or into reading, like before your quiet time. Um, I know people who exercise before their quiet time and people are like, well, is this supposed to be the first thing you do? Like you, it's, it's about where, where do you, each person is wired differently. Where do you find that where you most realize and know that God is present with you? Yes. And once you're basking in that, then go do all the things like go be in his word, pray for your brothers and sisters, go to worship, go to work, like all these different things in the context of, I have sat with Jesus and I have abided, I have abided in him. I'm abiding in him. And now it's in that context that I can do these other things and receive rest, you know, and life through them, which by the way, is then Paul getting all the way to the end in Philippians four, which is, you know, an incredible chapter. And I love, you know, and you, you pointed this out that he says like, I've learned the secret and be content. And you're like, if, if an apostle who the Holy Spirit is speaking through in the, in scripture says, hey, learned a secret, we should yeah. all like right. perk up. Right. And, That's when I get out my notepad. Right. And and this is the secret is yeah. it's abiding in Christ. Yes. The secret is not, well, this is how you have to view trials. This is how you have to view like generosity. This is, this is the content of all that. The secret is that place wherever I, wherever I feel the presence of Christ most and, and am immersed in this idea, he is with me. He sees me. He knows me. He loves me. He is with me. That from that foundation, from that context, I can handle anything. Yes. I can endure yes. anything because he is with me. And whatever comes after that moment, he is with me. And, and so finding that and understanding like how has God wired me in that and then knowing that all of these things, worshiping of the church family, reading God's word, prayer, like these are all things that are, you can't replace them. Those right. are all critical, but they are all meant to draw us closer to actually Christ, who is our actual life and object of worship. Yeah, that's so good. And and when I when you read it all together, you get to read chapter four right after chapter three. And so you hear, oh, the reason... That, that Christ is all, like the, how he arrived at that is coming to the realization that he is better than all of these good things. Like I have all of these good things that I could put my faith in, that I could put my identity in, that I could cite as my, as why I have authority and why you should listen. All that stuff is garbage compared to Jesus. And mm-hmm. when we actually realize and truly believe that Jesus is better than all of those things, then I'm not, 
I don't mind if I have those things or not. Like, if I have them, great. I'm going to use them to his glory. If I don't have them, that's okay. I still have Jesus, and he's better than those things anyway. Like, it's it's not a begrudging, like, all right, I'll, like, work up some fake contentment because I know that's my Christian duty. It's when I actually believe Jesus is better. Like, that's Paul's secret. Like, I can do all things through Christ. Like, I can, I can when he is central, when he is my life, when he is my sustainer, when I am abiding in him, these other things just simply don't matter anymore. They aren't concerns anymore. I, I am content because I have the thing that I actually want, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, imagine walking with Jesus physically. Like if you're, if you're physically walking with him and you're at a crossroads and he says like, all right, we're going we're gonna to turn left here or we're going to get Thai for lunch. You're going to be like, Great, let's go get Thai. Ah, uh, you know, actually, we're gonna do burgers. Awesome, let's go do burgers. You know, actually, we're gonna skip lunch and go, and we're gonna go pray for it. Let's do it. Like you're just—that's the intimacy with Jesus, and that's what Paul is saying. Like, as he's just walking with him, like, well, Jesus, you're with me in prison. Let's all right, let's go to prison. Breaking me out, great. Like, right. Versus versus taking the other path and going, eh, but this way there's tacos. I'd really right. rather have tacos. Yeah. It's like. I, it doesn't matter what is on the other path as long as Jesus is on it. If right. he's the one, if he is on that path, that's the path I want to be on, regardless of what if else Jesus is going on that path. If Jesus asks you out to lunch, right. you go wherever Jesus is going <laughs> to lunch. he's hungry for, man. Imagine, yeah, I love that. I love that illustration. Jesus says, we're going to go get burgers. And you're like, eh. I'm not feeling tacos today. So I'll just catch up with you afterwards. Like, what? <laughs> right. No, like you, that is, that is, that is the secret to this. And so I just hope... I hope that that's encouraging to you. Like, I hope, um, I hope that this has been helpful a little, a little bit of like, what does it mean? Cause I know we use these phrases like abide in Christ and that Christ is our life. And I don't ever want to be in a situation where people are saying like, well, that sounds good in theory, but I don't even know what that means. On the other hand, I'm always nervous about getting too practical, getting too practical that we end up minimizing abiding in Christ to these tasks that I do. So <clears throat> my encouragement is just, just to know that's your aim. Your aim is to commune with Jesus, to hear from the Holy Spirit, to worship him, to be drawn, your affections to be stirred for him, to realize that he is with you, he knows you. And we do that like through his word, through the fellowship of believers, through worshiping together. But there are a lot of other ways that he will use to spark that in you, to remind you of that so that you can go and worship and receive all that he has for you as you commune with him through worship as you commune with him through his word. And and we want to help you do that. We want to, we, that's how we, it's why we exist as a church family. So if you have questions about that, let us know. You can email us at connect at faithpeshtigo.com or grab us on a Sunday morning um, or call us. And, uh, and we would love to, to talk with you more about that. And just as we, just to be an encouragement to one another as we are on this journey. So thank you for taking the time to listen. Until next time, grace and peace. Thank you.